0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يعتذرون إليكم إذا رجعتم إليهم قل لا تعتذروا لن نؤمن لكم قد نبأنا الله من أخباركم وسيرى الله عملكم ورسوله ثم تردون إلى عالم الغيب والشهادة تردون عالم الغيب والشهادة فينبئكم بما كنتم تعملون Sayahlefoon billahilakum ivan kalabtum ilayhim li tu'aridu anhum Fa'aridu anhum Innahum rijisun wa ma'wa hum jahennam bima kanu yaksibun Yahlefoon lakum li tarodawu فَإِنْ تَرْضَوْا عَنْهُمْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَرْضَى عَنِ الْقَوْمِ الْفَاسِقِينَ الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Alhamdulillah, we start the second third of the Qur'an from the 11th juz, which is still continuation of Surah At-Tawbah. That's going to run for the next so many verses until a quarter, about a quarter of the juz, of the 11th juz. Now, as we know, the discussion in Surah At-Tawbah is to really give a good threshing and to completely open up all of the secrets and all of the plots and whisperings of the Munafiqeen so it carries on and remember the bigger theme there it was all under the discussion of the expedition of Tabuk which was that really difficult journey that they undertook. So as, as we said majority, the overwhelming majority of Muslims had gone with the Prophet wasallam, despite Everything being at a disadvantage, the heat and the crops being very close to the cutting and so on and so forth A lot of the and most of them had stayed back And now they were ready with their excuses So they were all going to line up and make excuses There were three believers that hadn't been able to go for different reasons, just three of them They decided that they're not going to lie when the Munafiqeen came, now the, before the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam reached Medina Munawwara from Tabuk On his return Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, as he says here in verse 64-65 He informs the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as to what he's going to be confronting when he gets home That all of these hypocrites are going to come and they're going to make excuses That's why <clears throat> They will make excuses when you return to them. <clears throat> and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells him what to do. They will also say, they're also going to be taking oaths upon their excuses when you go back to them. So that you can leave them alone So that you don't basically take them to task You don't punish them and so on عَنْهُمْ So okay fine let them go You know ignore them Don't do anything about them انهم رِجْسٌ They're just pure dirt They've got a lot of dirt in their heart And their actions are full of dirt And eventually they're going to go to hellfire anyway جَزَاءً بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ يَحْلِفُونَ Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sounds a very strong warning He says that they will swear oaths so that you can be satisfied with them, to try to convince you so that you believe them, that they had a genuine excuse for staying behind. Even if you did, even if you did become happy with them, you did accept them, you did become satisfied with them, Allah does not become satisfied with a transgressing people. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about some of the other outlying Arab tribes and the Bedouins. Speaking about how even among them there's issues, some of them have problems as well And some of them are strongly, uh, Nifaq is strongly embedded among them as well Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues in the rest of this surah To discuss the characteristics of the Munafiqeen and the believers in detail So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 100 which is a wonderful verse وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنْصَارِ وَالَّذِينَ تبعوهم بِإِحْسَانِ الرَّضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ عن The forerunners, the pioneers from among the Muhajirin and the ansar Those who are always at the forefront whenever there's something good First to accept Islam, first to assist the Prophet And all of those who've actually assisted them in excellence So those who came later but they followed them in goodness Allah is satisfied with them and they are satisfied with Allah. For a person to feel satisfied with Allah and Allah to be satisfied with them, Allah has prepared for them gardens beneath which rivers flow, in which they'll abide therein forever. And that is the ultimate win, ultimate success. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 103. It's just a few different guidances to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Allah says, "Khud min amwalihim From their wealth, you can take the charity to This gives you the understanding of the benefit. This gives, this provides the benefit of charity. Charity to wa biha, which will purify them, and it will also <clears throat> make them clean. Wa make du'a for them. From this, we can take, uh, from this we can take an idea that whenever somebody gives a charity If you are collecting for a cause Whether that be for a masjid, relief work or whatever the case is And somebody gives you charity From this we understand that it's a good idea to give them a dua Because it seems like that's a time of acceptance When charity is given it seems like it's a time of acceptance That's why the Prophet ﷺ is being told that pray for them Make a dua for them In صَلَاتَكَ the السَّكَنُوا your prayer for them will also be a form of contentment, comfort for them as well. Wallahu sami'un Now the believers are told, You carry on doing your work. Actually, everybody is being told, You carry on doing your work. Allah will now look at the deeds that you do. So will His Messenger. So will the believers. And eventually, you're going to have to be returned to the Naur of all the unseen and the seen. And he will tell you, he'll inform you of what you used to do. So that's in verse 105. Now what happens as, a, as it continues, then there's a discussion about a particular individual who was an arch enemy of Islam. His name was Abu Amir. He used to always be as a sworn enemy of uh, of Islam and the Muslims and he would he was constantly be supporting the enemies of Islam against him in many of the battles. Now after the conquest of Makkah Mukarramah, and then after the Battle of Hunain, he had to flee because most of the Arabian Peninsula now came under Islam. So he fleed, he, he ran away to Syria. And from there he started preparations. He started getting in touch with the Byzantine Empire, the Roman, emperor, uh, the Roman Empire basically To invade this group of Muslims And what he did was He was quite clever He tried to get some people within the hypocrites to help him So secretly he made contact with some of the hypocrites of Medina Munawwara To say that when I get the emperor ready The Romans ready Then you need to have the weapons etc. ready in store So that You guys will be our inside men in Medina Munawwara So he made some contact with some of the hypocrites of Medina Munawwara And what they did was They actually built a building In the guise of a masjid They were hypocrites So they outwardly professed Islam So they built a mosque In which the idea was that they would Basically have their meetings And they would store the weapons and things like that And then Further still they actually invited the Prophet ﷺ for the inauguration that you come and start this masjid off It was actually very close to Masjid Quba I remember Masjid Quba was the first masjid in Islam even before Masjid al-Nabawi ﷺ So they built this on the outskirts there because Masjid al-Quba is on the outskirts in those days, the southern outskirts So that's where they built this And immediately the verse Allah Taala reveals وَالَّذِينَ اتَّخَذُوا مَسْجِدًا ذِرَارًا بَيْنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ اللَّهِ مِنْ قبل. Those who have adopted this masjid, this masjid of harm, right? That is to basically provide harm out of their disbelief in order to, to split up the believers and in order to wait and anticipate for the one who has been at war with Allah and his messenger from before they will definitely swear an oath They will surely swear an oath That in aradna illa al-husna We've only intended good by this This is a pious endeavor This is not for wrong This is a pious endeavor But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bears witness that they are lying Now with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa He used to In order to maintain the peace of Madina Munawwara And so that people didn't say That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi Was killing his own people he would, he would take it easy with them He would be very Lenient with them, with the Munafiqeen. So on this occasion though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, La تقوم فيه abada, don't ever stand in there. an The masjid which was established and founded upon the principle of God fearingness from the first day is more rightful that you stand in there, which is masjid Quba, close by. And then Allah says, "Fihi رجال يحبون إن يتطهروا. In it, in masjid al Kuba, are men, are people who love to be very clean. See, uh, the, the word in Arabic for tahara, tahara, tahura, "yathuru" means to clean, to be clean. يتطهر is an expanded version of that, an extended version of that really. To show an additional meaning So what the ulama write here That the reason why they called that Allah has referred to them as With an exp- extended word Which essentially gives you extended meaning Beyond just normal purity Is Allah loves those who stay very very clean It's because while others used to use Just clumps of soil to clean themselves Like tissue paper These people mashallah They used to use clumps of soil Plots of soil as well as water So they use both And that, that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala actually praises them Now what's interesting is that Allah orders the Prophet Prohibits him from standing in there This is very similar to another verse that we read yesterday But which uh, we didn't speak about Which was verse 84 of Surah At-Tawbah وَلَا إِنَّهُمْ كَفَرُوا بِاللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَمَاتُوا فَاسِقُونَ What happened here is that Abdullah ibn Ubay bin Salul who was one of the chief hypocrites, one of the leaders of the hypocrites the reason for his hypocrisy was that he was going to be considered the leader before the Prophet moved over to Medina Munawwara he was earmarked and uh, signposted to become the next leader but when the Prophet came in he bas- basically lost his leadership bid. A huge amount of animosity and hatred and jealousy for the Prophet ﷺ. So until the end, he stayed a problem So he was the one who used to make huge rumors, create rumors and so on and so forth His son though was a good believer, right? a pure believer But he loved his father And uh, while his father, you see these people, they would cause problems in the front But then after that they would maybe do a few things to show that they're still believers So it was very difficult to say you know, unless you just want to be very aggressive that, you know, these guys are to be written off So when he died, he finally died. And SubhanAllah, his son came to the Prophet ﷺ that can you come and pray on him, my father? You know, maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive him, whatever. So the Prophet ﷺ says, Yes, I'll do it. I mean the guy was the chief hypocrite, arch hypocrite. Prophet ﷺ agreed to go and pray with him, pray on his grave. As he's going there, Umar says, Ya Rasulullah you can't do this. You shouldn't pray on his grave. The Prophet ﷺ said, I'm going to pray on his grave. So he prayed on the grave. And then these verses were revealed. As opposed to the masjid one, the verses were revealed first. But in this case, the verses were revealed after he prayed. And the verse here, as I said, 84 is, Do not pray upon any of them who die, ever. Do not ever pray. Do not even stand at their grave. The Prophet ﷺ already did it. Why? So you see When Umar r.a had the, uh, And Umar had numerous On numerous occasions Said certain things Made decisions that uh, Then the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Actually confirmed in the Quran But in this case Because the Prophet out of his compassion And his gentle nature And his love And just wanting for forgiveness And wanting for goodness for people He says I'm gonna pray That's why Allah let him pray Like he doesn't Allah, Allah loves him too much He let him pray But then after that Immediately The ruling comes down That you should not be praying On any of them wahum <inaudible> That they have disbelieved in Allah And His Messenger And they've died While they're in transgression So going back to Verse 108 Here Allah, Allah tells him You can't do it Then eventually some of the Sahaba They went and they basically destroyed They destroyed the building and uh, they basically burnt it down. And apparently, what uh, geologists say, or you know, excavated, there's no. I mean, it was probably gone completely. You still have Masjid Quba there, but there's no uh, sign of this mosque anymore. There's no remnants of it or anything. It was probably completely destroyed at that time. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says this really interesting. This verse has always been interesting. Hundred and Eleven and then hundred and twelve. They're very prominent verses you should really read them. In minal wa You know, from a logical principle perspective, why do we have to do Allah's commands? Obviously because we're servants. But here there's another reason that Allah provides. Allah says that Allah has purchased from the believers their selves. Their lives and their wealth for what? For Jannah, for paradise. So if you want paradise, right, then Allah wants you to expend yourself and your wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Thus then He says, They then fight in the path of Allah and they thus, they kill and they're killed. And this is a promise to them. Uh, that's made uh, as a right Both in the Torah and the Injil and the Quran and, and so on And then whoever basically fulfills this promise Then Then you should accept the glad tidings Of this trade that you've done with Allah So the way that Allah has given the offer I'll give you Jannah For yourselves Spend Expend yourself If you do it Then Allah will obviously fulfill his part of the bargain And that is the huge uh, great success Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives Characteristics of the true believers, right? What he wants to see in believers, and may Allah make us of these: repentance, al-'abidun al 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 sajidun al-'amirun bil who repent who those who are devotees and worshippers Those who are praising of Allah Saihoon, who are traveling for the sake of Allah They need to undergo a travel for the hajj or for any other reason, for da'wah purposes Raki'un, those who are in ruku, prostration Who are in sujood, right uh, They are commanding of the right and prohibiting of the wrong That's always a characteristic I wonder why people, just why people have missed this out and those who are protective of the boundaries of Allah and give glad tidings to the believers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then prohibits the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in the next verse, 113 from making istighfar for mushrikeen that you're not allowed to seek forgiveness for mushrikeen you know, you can say, well, let me just do it if it's accepted, it's accepted if it's not, it's not it's no, you're not allowed it's actually prohibited to do so because you need to recognize that they did wrong and they're not gonna get forgiveness. They're not going to receive forgiveness. And then Allah answers a question that comes up from the story of Ibrahim alayhi salam, where he says, I'm gonna make istighfar for you. So here he says that Ibrahim iya. The reason for Ibrahim alayhi salam's istighfar for his father was due to a promise that he had made. But when it became clear that he's also an enemy of Allah, Tabarra Amin, he exonerated himself. He freed himself from it because Ibrahim had these special characteristics Now, another story I had mentioned earlier that there were three pure good Muslims, proper Muslims who had actually stayed back and they did not go on this journey Now this journey is amazingly told by one of them, one of the three The three were Hilal ibn ibn Umayyah Murara, Murara, Murara ibn Rabi' and Ka'b ibn Malik Ka'b ibn Malik is a hugely eloquent individual, he's a very good writer So he actually tells his whole story in this really beautiful prose right? Which has gone down into the books of classical Arabic to study And I've read the whole story and subhanallah, you know that story can make you cry in some places It can make you surprised, it just keeps you going, it's an amazing story just tells you the thoughts of his heart Essentially he says that look, When the when the decision was made When the call was made That we're going to go on this battle And this particular expedition Was one in which he says The Prophet made it very clear Where we we're going There was no Tauriyah he says In other battles it would tell us that We're going kind of this way Whereas we were actually Going another place But through another place So that we put people off the scent But in this one It was very clear How far we were going And where we were going And he says that I was never more well off than this time But the problem is that I had my crops Also they were ready to, ready to go And I thought you know what I'm fast I've got fast animals all right I'll just catch them up You know the time came And I hadn't fully prepared yet he said And then eventually they left And I thought don't worry I'll catch them up One day, two day, And then he just got lost like that Until I heard Okay the Prophet is now coming back And now what am I going to do now when the Prophet ﷺ actually came back, he says, I used to go to the bazaar and the only people that I used to actually see were no good believers. I used to only see some people who were suspicion on them, there was suspicion on them of being munafik. So that made me feel really bad. Now the Prophet ﷺ is coming back and I'm thinking of everything that I could say to him, all the excuses I can think about. Right? And then the Munafikin they started going and the Prophet started accepting and just letting them go. And I decided that no, I cannot do this. I don't care what the consequences are, I'm going to tell the absolute truth, whatever happens. And exactly he goes up to the Prophet, he tells him the truth, and the Prophet says, Okay, as far as you, we'll see. With everybody else, all the Munafikin who came, he he let them go. He says, Okay, fine, whatever, leave it to Allah, he let them go, but with he says, Okay, we'll see. And then after that, there was a command that was given that nobody can speak to them, him and the other two. So, Kabrulah uh, discovered that there's these other two. One was quite an older person; he needed a lot of help with his wife. So he says, "You can't stay. You can't talk to him." Now that felt really bad. I tried to go to a, a I think it was a cousin or a very close friend, jumped over his wall to go and speak to him, and even he didn't speak to me. And when I persisted, he said, "The Prophet has told us not to speak to you," or something like that. Felt really, really bad. It's a very emotional story. And then after that, he said, I used to the other two, they just stayed at home. Right? They wouldn't go, but I would still go out. I would try to go to the masjid, try to say salam to the Prophet, ﷺ, right? And then look from the corner of my eye to see if he says Wa Alikum or not. He was very bold, right? But then eventually our wives were also told to separate from us and to go away. Not divorce, but just to leave us alone as well. That is tough. 50 days this lasted, 50 days Only one of them because he was really in need That's why he, he, he was allowed to keep his wife After taking permission But otherwise And Ka'ab said maybe I should go and ask something But no, even that time There was a, an emperor uh, A leader of the Sasanids Who sent a message to Ka'ab That look, a person like you should not be uh, humiliated like this Come and join us he says, immediately I took that letter and I threw it into the oven, into the fire right? And that's what you want to do, whenever there's a fitna, you want to just take it away, you don't want to stay on it So eventually then, uh, announcement, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you see, the, what's the most amazing thing here Is that eventually the announcement was made for their forgiveness, not just by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa But by a verse of the Quran to be, revealed, to be re- recited forever could have just been in the process. and forgave them End of story But no, there's huge verses here Which starts from verse 117 And then Khulifu. Verse 118 And the three that had to remain behind Until the earth became constricted on them More than, you know, despite its vastness and so on And then ta'ba alayhim, Then Allah uh, Allah accepted their repentance Allah is the most accepting of repentance And the most merciful And uh, I remember the story that The person who came to him with that news first there, There's this tradition that when somebody brings you good news You give them a gift He says, Wallahi on that day I had no other asset that I had Except the clothing on my back So I took that off and I gave it to him right? Because he was so happy And then there's a long story And then the Prophet alaihi He eventually Went to meet the Prophet and the Prophet said to him that today your truth has saved you, your truth has saved you, and today you are basically better than the day that your mother gave you birth. Meaning, today is a more Mubarak and blessed day, a superior day than the day that your mother gave you birth. And he says, I would never trade that in for anything else. I would never trade that in for anything else. Surah Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala then discusses four other characteristics of believers. Number 1, that they should have taqwa everywhere, right? This is ya aladina amanu verse 119. Have taqwa wherever you are, wa kunu maas a very important verse. O people who believe, have taqwa and always be with the truthful ones. Always be with the truthful ones. That is to tell us That the best company you can have is with truthful people Do not sit and do not make friends out of people who are not truthful It rubs off on you It's harmful for you Psychologically, spiritually, it's harmful for you That's why always be with the truthful ones And the sadiqeen here are referring to the people of Allah This is basically the encouragement of staying in good company Staying with the righteous people Staying with the pious people That's a very important uh, command of the Qur'an Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, another thing He tells us is that stay away from the people of nifaq. And uh, number three is that in terms of spending and so on, make sure that you spend in the path for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and um, do other good deeds for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as mentioned in the next verse and that how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will always reward you for these things. So that's the discussion for the reward of believers. Now Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says something very important. All of this time there's an encouragement for jihad, for the defense, for going out, for putting yourself out there to basically defend your lands. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 132. All the believers should not leave like that. Right? Not every believer should leave. But, فلولا نَفَرَ مِن كُلِّ فِرْقَةٍ مِّنْهُمْ طَائِفَةٌ ليتفقهوا فِي الدِّينِ You also need, it's not just about battle and getting rid of people There's also the building of institutions The building of knowledge, educating people So there needs to be people that will remain behind always with the Prophet wasallam So that they can gain an understanding of the deen Because any religion, any system needs several different institutions You know, from the judiciary to the educational to the defense and so on So it's not just about defense There's a lot more to that So that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here That uh, there needs to be a group like that Because you need teachers You need um, tr- uh, people tra- who counsel people Who train people Who look after people You need the judge You need uh, the ruler You need basically laborers You need organizers All of that is is required And that's why knowledge is a big thing This is one of those very uh, important verses with regards the importance of knowledge Gaining an understanding of faith right? And that's why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said That whoever Allah wills goodness for He gives him an understanding of the faith right? That's a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Another thing that's mentioned Is that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said That one faqih, Person who's got that understanding A jurist Is going to be more severe on a shaitan Than a thousand mere worshippers That's why remember brothers and sisters, wherever you are, we can't just sustain ourselves from the knowledge, the bitter knowledge that we've got just growing up. We need to study, we need to take courses, we need to read, and we need to learn. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to finish off the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again criticizes the munafiqeen and their reaction to the verses. They would mock that. When a new verse would come, they would ask people, you know, did this benefit you guys? Like, uh, did this verse increase any of you in goodness? Right? Did it increase your Iman and so on? Right? Allah says, well, the people who believe, right, verse 124, it increases them in their Iman. Right? And they've got a lot to look forward to basically. But the ones who have marad in their hearts and weak, uh, sickness in their hearts, it just increases their rebellion, increases their dirt, increases their impurity and so on. And the final verse, the final verses here is verse 128 and then 29. So 128 is again support of the Prophet wasallam, and the way Allah addresses him is amazing. Allah gives him... Addresses him by two of his very special names. He's never given that name to anybody else together like that. Allah says, min A messenger, your messengers come from among you. Azizun alaykum Raufur Rahim. Rauf and Rahim are, are names of Allah, the compassionate and the merciful. Rahman you can't give to anybody because that's exclusive for Allah. Rahim can be used for others. Allah provides this name, Prophet that he is the rauf and the Rahim, because really, anything that would trouble you, that would trouble the Prophet. Right? And whatever's to your benefit, he would avidly seek it. And that is the characteristic of the Prophet. May Allah make us of those who love good for everyone, who avidly seek good for people, who feel hurt when others are hurt. And then Allah says, Fa the last verse. فَإِنْ تَوَلَّوْا فَقُلْ حَسْبِيَ اللَّهِ If they're going to turn away then just say Allah is sufficient for me La إِلَهَ إِلَّا There is no God except Allah عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَّلْتِ I rely upon Him وَهُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ He is the Lord of the mighty throne Now we move on to Surah Yunus Which takes up all of this, uh, the rest of this chapter And a bit of the next chapter as well It's a Makki Surah so it's going back to the basics 119 verses here, so it's a lengthy surah as you, as you know And it has 11 sections, thematic sections um, Of course, aside from the tenets of faith and beliefs and so on The, the larger other theme there is the Qur'an The discussion about the Qur'an in, is here That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with Alif, Lam, Ra Tilka ayatul Al Hakim. أَكَانَ لِلنَّاسِ Ajabana نَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ رَجُلٍ مِّنْهُمْ Is people surprised that we would reveal to a man from among them that you should warn people and give glided tidings to the believers? Right? And and so on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says that why are you so surprised that the Prophet was given prophecy? There's prophets that have passed before. This is not unique. This is not something unprecedented. This is not something that never happened before. So why are you guys so surprised for? Just accept it. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's well worth reading these verses in details. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in all of these verses, like, ja'al manazil. and then, Inna fi ikhtila, all of this is basically to show the signs of Allah through the universe, through people, through creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is highlighting that He is the one who's made the sun for you, this giver of light, and also the illuminated moon. And, and uh, made special uh, positions for the moon that it goes through uh, throughout uh, the, the, the year and so on By this you understand years and your dates and things like that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about all of these gifts of God, uh, the creation and so on and so forth Now what we then discover after this is that after these verses We understand that whoever ponders these verses and believes in them, accepts them and takes them to their benefits Then they become separated from those Who look at these verses and deny them And they're blind to them right? So those who do take goodness out of this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for them Inna ladina amanu wa salihati Verse 9 and 10 For them are gardens And what's most amazing part here is hum fiha Wa fiha salam The greeting there will be salam and their last call in there is All praises to Allah, Lord of the worlds And then it, it's already spoke about, spoken about the evil ones Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically As I said that one of the big themes here is the Qur'an So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He then talks about the Quraysh And the disbelievers of the time Where they would make fun of the Qur'an And they would deny the Qur'an So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَإِذَا tutla." Verse 15 When our verses, clear verses are recited to them قَالَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَرْجُونَ لقانة, Those who don't expect to meet us They say bi بِقُرْآنٍ غَيْرِ هَذَا Why don't you bring another Qur'an? Why do you want another Qur'an for? Isn't this one sufficient? Bring اِئْتِي بِقُرْآنٍ غَيْرِ هَذَا اَوْ بَدِّلْهُ right? it's, it's always like When you don't have any better answer No logical reaction Right? No rational answer. Then you're just going to come up with these weird, quirky responses. So he's saying, "No, bring us another book, or change this one." So قل say, "O Prophet, وسلم, مَا يَكُونُ لي من نفسي. I can't change it on my own behalf, right? Um, إِلَّا مَا I only follow what is inspired to me. And I seek, uh, you know, I, I fear punishment if I, you know, uh, if I if I disobey Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And then Allah is then Allah tells him to tell him. فَقَدْ لَبِثْتُ فِيكُمْ عُمْرًا مِن فَلَا Why do you deny this Quran? So the Prophet Sallallahu is being told to ask them: Have you ever, in the last forty or so years that you've known me, ever told an untruth? Have I ever studied under anybody? Was there like some very... Because you see, Medina Munawar is a very, uh, sorry, a very close community, tribal community. Everybody knew everybody. I remember when I visited Mauritania, the population is about 3 million, I think. My friend who's Mauritanian told me that if you came here and then you eventually asked, you gave my name, within two days, with no computer system or anything like that, you know, they probably have computers, but just through contact, they would have been able to figure me out within one or two days as to who I am. Right, so people just know everybody, right? They have tribal links and just who's this married to da 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 da, da and that's. So, also in that kind of community, there's no internet, nothing. So you know who's studying by who, who sits with whom, who's friends with whom, who's benefited from whom, who's influenced by whom. They knew the Prophet Salah was unlettered. He did not read, so he couldn't couldn't be reading books. He knew that they knew that he wasn't consulting. You know, these so-called soothsayers or anybody else with lots of information There weren't that many people there anyway in Makkah Makarama Now the Prophet comes at the age of 40 and he's never lied And he's trustworthy, he's ameen right? So people actually trust him Like he's set apart from everybody as a trustworthy individual So then he asks that question that, Have you ever known me to ever lie? And uh, so that's why he's saying that, I've been with you such a long. How can you say these things to me? I, you know me, you know my family, you know everything about me. That's why, who can be more oppressive than the one who basically fabricates a lie against Allah and denies his verses? In fact, even Abu Sufyan, uh, sorry, uh, yes, uh, Abu Sufyan, who's an archenemy of Islam at the time. When he's on a trade caravan, he goes to Jerusalem Elia it's called Eleopolis at the time And Herakl, or Heraclius uh, has heard about the Prophet ﷺ So he asks if there's any Arabs in town And you know, lo and behold, it's the group of Abu Sufyan, who's an enemy of Islam So he says, okay, I'm going to ask you some questions He means Abu Sufyan sit in front And he had his other guys in his camp sit behind him And Heraclius is clever, he says, I'm going to ask you a certain questions you better tell the truth. right? So I'm going to ask you and I'm going to... The guys at the back, they better tell me. you know. So now Abu Sufyan doesn't know. He, if you're sitting in front of him, I can say, look, you know, just a little wink or something like that. We're going to make this part up. He couldn't do that because his guys were sitting at the back. So one of the questions he asks is that, has this guy ever... Has the, this prophet, this so-called prophet, ever told a lie before or claimed prophecy and so on? He says, no, he hasn't. And so then Heraclius actually says himself that if he's never spoken a lie against anybody else why would he speak a lie against allah right why would you make a lie up against allah if you're not going to speak a lie because i mean it's more easier to you know they've gotten more need to lie about somebody else because you're dealing with people more often imam razi mentions that uh, mentions this point that they knew everything about him so That is why a lot of them were convinced, but the others weren't convinced, and the Prophet was trying to say that how can. And this is this unique situation in which the Prophet was made to be, you know, born and brought up, losing his father early on and being unlettered for a very good reason. To make the point even stronger. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then, in continuing into verse 22 and so on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses their idol worship. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has this long discussion from verse 22 onwards Which applies everywhere I've actually asked this question to a, a flight attendant regarding turbulence And basically the, the gist of it is that these people they, when, they, when everything is safe and secure, they deny Allah But when they're in trouble right, Or when they're in the middle of the ocean And the waves start building up And they start losing hope in everything else Inherently, because Allah is so built in, everybody's psyche, they call out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Problem is that it doesn't last long, as soon as they come back to, the shore, to, to shore, then they forget about Allah and they go back to their wrong ways SubhanAllah That's why in this, a lot of people will benefit in this lockdown But there's going to be people who will just go right back to doing what they were doing beforehand Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks a number of questions Who gives you sustenance from the heavens? From the earth and so on, verse thirty three and so on. Now you see as you move on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse thirty-eight. You know, because as I said, there's a big discussion about the Quran. So verse thirty seven and thirty-eight. This Quran is not some, something that can be fabricated, right, by somebody other than Allah, right? Meaning it can't be. It's tastiqalinaday, I mean don't you know it confirms what you have from before right it's not just made up it's got a lot of substance in there then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides a challenge do they say that it was fabricated that he fabricated it fa'tu bi so say to them that okay bring a surah like it and if you want i'm not saying just one of you make it up like just abu jahal or something but wad'u man min besides allah you can go and enlist the help of whoever you want arabs ajam non-arabs, <laughs> whoever you want in kuntum sadiqin, bal bima lam bi-ilmi. this is a very important verse 39, very important idea no, they've denied and this gives you the reason why people generally deny things they generally deny things out of unawareness, ignorance they're not willing to check it out, most people will listen to whatever the media tells them they won't check out the reality then when an apology or a correction is published several months later after a court case which will be very small, people have forgotten by then They still remember the big idea and the tarnish that is on the person who was slandered before or always remains This has been the norm of the world So one of the reasons is that people will just listen, whatever they tell you because. Basically people denied that which their knowledge does not encompass And they don't understand the proper interpretation of it And this is exactly the way the people before them denied But look at what happened to them Look at the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dealt with them Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says In verse 57 Ya nasu, Qad ja'atkum maw'idhatum min I said lots of discussion about the Qur'an it's well worth reading it for yourself slowly, inshallah. O oh, people, this counsel, this advice has come to you from your Lord. un lima sudur, Which is also a cure for the problem in your hearts. All your turbulence in your hearts, your misgivings, your fright, your depression, your various anxieties of your heart... The Qur'an is a shifa. How is it a shifa? By reading it. Believe me, anybody who's in turbulence and anxiety, when they read the Qur'an, they'll find enough in there to take their mind away. Enough in there to cure their ailment of the heart. Try it. I mean, I'm going to give you a guarantee. Try it. Just pick up a Qur'an, start understanding it, and you'll see that, there's gonna be so many other things that you can take lesson from in the Quran. So many things that you can benefit from. Now a very prominent verse that everybody should take to heart is verse sixty-two. <speaking in Hebrew> the friends of Allah. There is no fear upon them and they will never grieve. Yes, they'll confront trouble. They may have an accident, they may lose something. They may be imprisoned. But, mashallah, their heart is so content. They're so satisfied that they're just breezing through it. I mean, you know of this from stories of people for a certain cause. Allah gives them this for that cause, for the cause of Islam. Iman and taqwa, Iman and God-fearingness. God-fearingness can only be one is you have Iman, so you believe. But God-fearingness is by doing what Allah tells us to do and abstaining as far as possible from what He tells us not to do and making tawbah if that—if we ever end up doing it. Basically trying to be as regular as possible. That's the only way we can get God-forgiveness and inculcating that in our hearts. For them is the bushra in Hayatid dunya and the akhirah. For them is the glad tidings in the world and in the hereafter. Now, after the discussion of tawheed, Uh, Resurrection after death And emphasizing Iman And discussing the truthfulness of the Quran And how it's got no discrepancies and everything else There are now three stories that I mentioned Because remember the Quran uses various different techniques in it To try to convey to people and convince people and change people So now the three stories that I mentioned the first of them is the, from verse, you'll see from verse 71, is none other than the prophets beforehand. And this was very relevant to them because they had already le- been learning of stories of prophets in various corrupt forms and things like that. So now Allah is giving them the true stories. First one is the story of the Shaykhul Anbiya, um, Nuh Salam. Then about Musa Salam, Actually Musa and Harun salam, they're both together in this. Uh, from verse 73 and uh, 74, 75 onwards And then after that There is a story of Yunus alayhis salam And that's why this surah is called Yunus Because it has the story of Yunus alayhis salam in here That's why this chapter, this surah is called Yunus Yunus alayhis salam's name in the entire Quran Has come four times explicitly as Yunus But twice he's been referred to as Noon. The, the fish, the one with the fish, because he is the one that was taken up by the whale. You probably know that story. Right? So, twice he's referred to as the, the one with the fish, or the one of the fish, or the fish one. Right? Um, however, to say that. Now, his story, um, we're not going to go through Musa's story because you've already heard that. I think this part of the story about. Uh, the magicians and so on—that's that's mentioned here as well. The only additional point that I want to mention here is in verse eighty-eight. Musa alaihissalam looks at Pharaoh and all the wealth that he's given and the power that he's given. So Musa salam says to Allah, "Wa qal Musa Rabbana inna atayta firauna, wa malaahu wa amwalan fil hayat al dunya Rabbana sabirik." Ya Allah, you've given Pharaoh and his cronies You've given them a lot of The adornment of the world The wealth of the world In this dunya And Ya Allah This is They take people away from the path They mislead people from your path Rabbanat Miss ala amwarihim Get rid of their wealth Destroy their wealth وَاشْتُدْ ala And seize them in their heart So that now then the next verse says قَالَ قَدْ da'watu 89 Allah says your, your two dua You know the dua of you two Harun and Musa salam. It said, it, What ulama said here is that Musa salam is making the dua Harun and is saying Ameen or Amen right? However they said it in those days So your duas have been accepted But there was no immediate punishment there was no immediate destroying of their wealth It took years But it did come A lesson that we learn from here Is that a du'a we make If Musa and had to wait Then we have to wait as well Allah does it according to his timetable And he says "La Don't rush me I know what to do Got the whole thing Everything is planned So it will happen But it can happen later When the time is right Allahu Akbar. Then there's the story of Pharaoh Becoming or trying to express belief When he's about to drown But that's a very emotion, Very understand. And Allah says in verse 91 Al-an now When you had all this disobedience beforehand And you were of the corrupt, uh, corrupt ones on the earth But Today we're going to give you respite with your body So that you can be a sign for the people afterwards Allahu Akbar. But the majority of people are, don't take heed from our signs. Now this is a very interesting point. Miracle of the Quran. For about 1300 years, Pharaoh's body was not found. When this verse came down, they'd mummified it. They used to mummify people at the time. That was their tradition. As it was tradition of some other places as well. Now this was in their sarcophagus inside... You know, the pyramids and so on About 150 or so years ago Carter comes along and discovers it And other people discover the mummies And there you go, Ramses is there Right, along with several others in the Egyptian museum now SubhanAllah, I wonder what for 1300 years people thought about this verse Today we give you respite with your body So you can be a sign for the people afterwards Maybe they just thought, okay Maybe his body was, you know Take, because the Mufassir mentioned that his body you know, Was thrown out of the, the river And so on and so forth But subhanallah 1300 or so years later 1250, 1300 however long it was There you go you have a discovery And Pharaoh's body is there Ajib. And Allah tells us that 1400 years ago That we've given you respite Takes on a whole new More intense meaning of We've given you safety with your body So I paid money to go and see it because Allah mentions it in the Qur'an And you actually have to pay a nominal fee to get into the museum It's a four or five story museum in, in Cairo The British built it about a hundred years ago And then you have to pay I think it's more than double that To actually go into the one mummy room It was 40 Egyptian pounds at the door 90 to get into that chamber And I felt it was right for me to do that Because I mean, Allah saying that in the Qur'an Now I'll save you your money You can check it online Chat, type in Ramses II And they've got his mummy That you can see But there's another thing When you actually see the body in real life In flesh I don't think there's any blood in there But flesh It is something 4,000 years And the other thing is When Allah does something He does it properly So it's not just Pharaoh that's there It's everything he had Of course that was something They had decided at that time to put in That five story museum Or four story museum Has got everything from Pharaoh's Rolls Royce Chariot to his needle Not joke, there's a mirror in there as well, I remember And I was like, wow, he's got everything in here So when Allah preserved him, preserved everything 4,000 years I don't know if there's anything so preserved in so much detail The Quran speaks about it It's amazing Anyway, we move on to the story of Yunus alayhi salam Because our time is coming up And Allah says that in verse 98 there's no tribe, sorry, there's no community or people who disobeyed first and then after that they brought faith when they saw impending danger, impending punishment and then, and then it be accepted from them, except the people of Yunus alayhi Now he preached to them, they did not listen, he thought the punishment was coming, he took off He gets to the shore, but they realized afterwards, so they, they sought forgiveness so the punishment didn't come to them Yunus a. doesn't know that He, he, he's going on a, he gets on a, on a, on a boat, a, a sea vessel Now suddenly there's a storm And they say somebody's going to have to be thrown overboard Because it's too heavy So they pick lots He looks very dignified, individual They don't want to throw him out. So three times they pick lots Every time it's his His name comes out Finally he had to go, he went A fish, a big whale eats him up uh, Consumes him and I say it consumes him, but it's a very specially modified whale Allah has basically stopped its stomach function It can take in, but it can't do anything There's no bile, there's no, no, nothing going on inside right? And then he stayed there for either a few hours or three days Or there's different opinions And then he gets thrown out And they say that he gets thrown out in Palestine Just north of Al-Khalil, Hebron right? And there's a masjid there, there's a place called Yunus you know, that, uh, There's a place where there's a masjid that Said that this is where he came and he rested Because I mean, after that encounter He needed to rest Right, before he went back home So that's where he rested, it was amazing Right, when he visited that masjid And uh, so, alhamdulillah So that's why it's called Now, one of the f- f- uh, famous du'as We're going to read in the seven themes just later on Which is what he said and got him out of the fish is, Subhanak, la ilaha illa ant Subhanaka inni kuntu mina zalimeen So that's the story Of uh, Yunus Alayhi salam in the Quran, that's why this, it could have been called Surah Musa, but it wasn't. Musa Alayhi story is everywhere, so if you call some, something Surah Musa, then it's not unique. But here, this is probably the only place where that much of the story of Yunus Alayhi salam is mentioned. It's not repeated over and over again, and that's why it's mentioned there. Since the beginning of the Surah, as I mentioned, was about the Quran. And a major theme of this was about the Quran. Here again, Allah says, النَّاسُ From verse uh, 104 and to the end. There's this whole discussion about it. And the final verse there Wattabi وَاتَّبِعْ يُوحَى وَاصْبِرْ Just follow what has been inspired upon you, uh, uh, revealed upon you, the Qur'an. Just follow that and wasbir. Always remember, wasbir, wasbir, wasbir. Sabr, sabr, sabr. People don't want to do sabr. People don't want to be patient. They want to just bend, and they want to basically just acquiesce. No, you, there's going to be difficulty. It's part of life. It's part of the world, especially for a believer. Until Allah's judgment comes, He is the best of judges. He is the best of judges. So that's basically the end of the surah. There is a part of the chapter left, the 11th chapter doesn't end there There's another page or so left But we're going to leave that for tomorrow Because that's where a new surah begins The chapter on the Surah Hud, right? Surah Hud starts just before the ending of the 11th juz There's no point starting it today, we'll start it tomorrow So we can take the whole thing with chapter 12 uh, With part 12 of the Qur'an and that also starts with an alif lam ra. So we will stop here and we will just discuss, uh, j- just quickly summarize the main features of this. So number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning of chapter 11, continuation of Surah At-Tawbah which is primarily about the munafiqeen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala continues that discussion speaking about the good and bad, the muhajirin and the ansar and so on. Then after that, I pointed out the verse, hundred, uh, verse 10 for you. No, sorry, it wasn't verse 10, it was verse 100. Remember, h- verse 100 of Surah Al Tawbah. The forerunners, the pioneers, people who always, the, you know, there's a lot of people who are early adopters for the iPhone and for new technology. They're willing to stand outside, you know, for all night to get the new gadget. Allah wants us to be early adopters for religious things, who's going to go and do that relief work first, who's going to be the first one to go and pray who's going to be the first one to go and feed so that's why was sabiqoon al awwaloon is discussed there, the pioneers, the forerunners. right, the, uh, and now contrast that with another verse in surah uh, Suratul al waqia, right in verse, uh, uh, verse 10 11, 12, 13, 14 of Suratul al where Allah talks about sabiqun again Sabiqun. Sabaka means to win, somebody who gets ahead, those who go ahead, right? The pioneers. Allah says there sabiqun as sabiqun Those who are pioneers, those who are early on in good works, they are the ones who will be brought close to Allah. fi naim. In the gardens of bliss. So that's where that's what you learn there. Then after that Allah has the discussion about the Masjid, Masjid al-Dirar Places that are established to, you know, for harming the believers And how we're told not to ever associate ourselves with such places right? For example you have those so-called all-inclusive mosques right? And that bring in all of that which goes against the orthodox substratum of beliefs of Muslims right? Complete denial of orthodoxy and then number three was the characteristics of the believers who sold themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, their lives and their wealth. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa being prohibited from seeking forgiveness for the idolaters. Uh, then the next point that we uh, discussed was the story of the munafiqeen who made excuses. And then the three that were truthful, but mashallah had to suffer had to undergo suffering because of it. 50 days, nobody speaking to them But then after that, mashallah, being given such a glad tiding For the sake of the deen That's why it's always best, Allah is teaching us through here that if you've done a wrong And I always tell this to husbands and wives If you're a husband, your wife will always figure out if you're lying If you're a wife, your husband will always figure it out because you're so close Very difficult, they can just tell by When you live with somebody so close, and that could be anybody You can just tell by their demeanor. Just by their attitude. Just by facial expression. That's why the best policy with the spouse is tell the truth. Even if you've done a major wrong. You're better off to be known as a guy who does wrong but tells the truth than a liar. Because if you're a liar, they're always going to think you're lying. In any relationship with your boss or whatever, it's always best to just say, okay, fine, I did it wrong and face the consequences but... It's better to do that and Especially in long term relationships Because you're better off Not being known as a liar That's I mean I wouldn't want to be Friends with a liar Like I can't trust him I mean it's bad enough not being friends With an exaggerator You know Like somebody exaggerates 50% all the time You have to like Discount everything The mind has to work Further Right Anyway At the end of Surah Tawbah There's a Discussion of Again Um uh, people pondering the quran right and then after that starts surah yunus which has the major theme of the quran along with the small story of surah yunus in there, right so allah subhanahu wa taala then discusses the problems with the mushrikeen and how they would constantly mock the quran and challenge the quran and so on and so forth then the famous verse which i mentioned to you already verse 62 "Allah inna awliya allahi la khawfan alayhim wa lahum yahzanun now basically the lesson we get from that is that anybody who claims to be a friend of Allah, claims to be a religious person like that, then basically he can't ever lie. And all of those uh, characteristics that are mentioned there, I mean, he can't be devoid of them. May Allah make us his true awliya, make our children from them as well. And then after that, the story of Nuh alayhi salam, Musa and Pharaoh's story. And then after that, the whole discussion, the vivid description of Pharaoh's drowning. And then his... Trying to escape by bringing faith at that time There's lots of discussions About Pharaoh always Sifting from one side to the other Like not being very convinced about his kufr But not being convinced about Becoming a believer either right? There are some stories I don't know if they're Israelite stories or whatever But at the end it didn't help him anyway And then uh, Yunus Ali story And finally The discussion That stay firm on your faith Follow the wahi and be patient until Allah brings a judgment. Don't try to force a judgment yourself. But wait for Allah's judgment. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for acceptance. And we ask Allah to give us the good that we've learned and we've recited. And allow this to constantly reinvigorate our iman. And may Allah allow us to come out of this better than we before we started. And this Ramadan to be better than any Ramadan before it. JazakAllah khair. May Allah bless you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.